0: Hey, well, VIPers, and welcome to another edition of Thirsty Thursday Women's Online Wellness Facebook page, Facebook Live. Tonight, another special edition with well, all special editions. You know, I hope I don't sound like Fox News. You know they always come on and say, this is a Fox News special alert? It doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. Every time they come back from a commercial, it's a Fox News special alert. I hope I'm not sounding like that. I mean, I can imagine one day, I'd love to see this one day, Them come back from a commercial and say, well, thank you, Steve. Wait a minute, we've got a Fox News special alert. Today in Augusta, Georgia, nothing happened. Back to you, Ainsley. I don't want to sound like that. I hope I'm not coming off inauthentic because, believe me, I'm excited to be here. I love being with you guys. It's really special. It gets me juice because it... It forces me to look at the news, to examine it, to be able to present it to you in a way that keeps you from going bonkers, from shooting blood out your eyes. Tonight we do have a very, very special interview that I promise you is going to hit, if it hasn't already landed on your website, because of my massive digital presence and my huge network. They're posting this for me as we speak. But anyway, it's a great interview on answering all those questions that you posted a couple of weeks back. Remember back when I was asking if you had any kind of nutritional questions, anything you needed answering about diet and nutrition in the era of COVID, and maybe not even related to COVID, but anything like that. It wasn't just for my own enjoyment to sit up and read in the middle of the night. I actually compiled all those and pulled in an expert, pulled in someone who really knows what they're talking about, a registered dietitian, and asked those questions and we got them answered. So immediately after you finish watching me tonight, and I promise it's gonna be brief, but immediately after you finish that, you should find on your feed, and if you don't, just refresh, I learned this a while back, you gotta refresh either click out of facebook and click back in and refresh and sometimes then it'll show up on your feed but it's a great interview that's going to answer your questions and if you have some additional questions that we don't cover post them on here and i promise i'll answer them you know that you, you see me do that i love to do, answer your questions i answer every single question so i enjoy that interaction i enjoy that uh, getting together to go over that so please if we don't answer your questions on this interview that doesn't mean I didn't like your question. It just means we didn't have time to get to everything. So be sure you watch that after we finish with you today. But I thought I was really trying to get away without talking about a lot of COVID stuff tonight. I, I'm tired of this stuff, like I know you are, but it's still here. And I've got a confession. My name is Ron, and I'm a COVIDaholic. It started out really simple. It wasn't anything I anticipated. I just found myself three or four months ago looking at a few news feeds, reading a little bit about COVID, coronavirus, it goes by many names. And I really didn't think much about it. I would never really look at anything before five. I, I, I kept it simple. I found myself looking at a few more sites each night. You know, I'd get a little bored and I'd start looking at more and more sites. And I found out that after a while, it took more news feeds about COVID, more articles, more studies to kind of get the same effect. So it just kind of escalated every every night. I mean, I, I was smart about it. I never, I never looked at all that the night before surgery or the night I was on call, but I found myself needing more and more, and it just wasn't as satisfying, and I even found myself forgetting things and, and not remembering to do things. I got caught up, and I didn't even know what, where the time had gone, and before you know it, I realized that I'd hit rock bottom. I'd, I'd spent hours on hours. What started simply as just a, a curiosity now has turned into a full monkey on my back or maybe virus on my back's a better way of describing it. So I'm probably gonna get into a 12-step program to try to break this habit. Uh, I know it's not all about me. I know I have to give up and give in. You know, the last time I did the serenity prayer, well, I'm really applying that to my covid holism. But I preface all that by saying that I promised a no COVID night tonight, but you're just gonna have to enable me. You guys are my enablers. You're allowing me to present some of this COVID stuff that I just can't stop not right now i haven't hit rock bottom i'm not ready to give it up i'm not ready to stop yet so i'm going to keep fueling you with covid information even tonight when i promised a covid free zone you're still going to get some stuff on covid because it makes me nuts when i see some of this stuff that's out there and my job is to clarify to sanctify to testify to tell you exactly what's true when it comes to all this massive amount of information out there so before we get to our interview with Stephanie Kolb, our registered dietitian, let me throw a couple of things at you, even though you know in your heart you're enabling this addiction. I saw a study, and I thought this was so cool for Augusta GA in particular. I saw a study two days ago out of the Netherlands about COVID. Now, my First place my mind went is great. That's all we need to know is a story about the effect of windmills on COVID. I mean, no, don't kid me, your mind went there too. I mean, it's terrible to think that a national identity is wrapped up in, in 18th century water pumps and very uncomfortable shoes. But the reality is this study came out and it immediately caught my eye because the headline said, very high likelihood that pollen may interfere with the spread of COVID 19. I started doing my happy dance because Augusta, Georgia is the pollen capital of the known world. I mean, when most people are sitting out of their porch enjoying their margaritas and their oysters, Augusta is being blanketed in this yellow pollen from hell. We have so much pollen here, it's it's almost just expected to be a part. I mean, you, you just nobody cares anymore when they walk out and see their cars coated in yellow dust. Well, this study out of the Netherlands said that there's evidence that the higher the pollen count in an area the less infection rate for both influenza and COVID-19. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, they think that the, because it's an airborne, because it's, it's, it, because it's uh, just spread by droplets and even some micro aerosols, the higher the pollen count, it actually acts as a somewhat of a little barrier. It's like putting more junk between you and the virus. So there's evidence that in high pollen count areas, there may be a decreased spread. In addition, we know that if you live in a high pollen area, it tends to stimulate your immune system. People who have allergies have them because their immune system is working in overdrive. That's where you get the results of the symptoms. So it only makes sense that if you have an overdried immune system, and it can kick in and help you block some of these viral infestations it's a great thing so i i just was so excited i had to share that's literally hot off the press straight from dutchland there might be some benefit to this yellow blanket from hell that we get every year next thing i saw an article the other day about blood types and covid19 there's information out there that says that a person's blood type may or may not play a role in the likelihood of you becoming infected. In particular, people with O blood type seem to be less likely to be infected by COVID-19. Now, here's the rest of the story. This was put out by the company 23andMe, as most of you know, that's a huge company that does genetic testing. And they do some great stuff, and there's some wonderful information. I've done it. My wife's done it. We're going to get it for our kids. It's really kind of fun. And if you do it, there are other sites that can take that data and actually plug it into additional algorithms and really tell you something meaningful other than the fact that you have fifteen percent Asian blood or twenty-five percent African blood or your more closely related to an Alaskan Malmuth than you are to uh, uh, somebody from South America, whatever. You can actually get some meaningful data from that, but the company compiled this massive data bank, so whenever you do 23andMe, they ask, can we use your information anonymously, wink, wink, to do these studies? Well, one of these studies they came out with was about this type O blood based on their surveys. Here's the problem. This is a perfect example of the difference between a cause and an association. They did not show that there was some type of causality in your blood type that would protect you. It simply was gathering data and showing that there was possibly an association let me make the differentiation for you say we took a thousand people with breast cancer and i called every one of them up and did a survey with each one of them and asked them let's see do you eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and do you exercise and then i compiled that data and if i happened to find that there were more people that have breast cancer that eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches then exercise, then the headlines the next day say, stay away from peanut butter and jelly because it's associated with an increased risk for breast cancer. Well, of course, that's absurd. No it isn't. It, there may be an association, but there's absolutely no physiological reason for peanut butter and jelly to cause breast cancer. I mean, all that's gonna do is send the peanut butter uh, producers into a tailspin, the economy goes down and we get another apocalypse. So there's a big difference between saying something is associated with something and saying something causes or is a reason for that. This is a classic example. If you are type O, good on you, you're the universal donor, but you are not immune from COVID-19 by any stretch. There are millions of people with type O blood who have contracted COVID-19. Probably what we are seeing and what might explain the discrepancy in the infectivity rate is there's no question that there is some type of genetic predisposition towards a person's susceptibility to any type of infection. So there may be some what we call single nucleotide polymorphisms that may be associated with a certain blood type, and that in turn may make that particular individual a little bit less susceptible. But don't feel like you're in the clear just because you have a certain blood type. Quite honestly, this is the same kind of garbage that we used to see with diet. People would call it, I forget what they used to call it, the blood type diet that you were supposed to eat, this way to stay healthy if you have this blood type. I can tell you, that's garbage. There's no scientific evidence that 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 has any kind of basis uh, other than someone who's trying to sell you a diet program. Beside the point. Just understand that you have this, you need to assume you have the same risk as everybody else. The second thing that I want to comment on is all the information out there right now on vitamin D and supposedly the protection against COVID-19. Again, here we have a very key necessity to read past the headlines. A lot of times you're flipping through the internet. I would say flipping through the paper, but nobody flips through the paper anymore. But you're on your news feed. you're flipping through the news, and you see something about vitamin D helps protect against COVID-19, or vitamin D makes COVID-19 less worse, or vitamin D does whatever. For it. Here's the bottom line. Most of the information about vitamin D and COVID-19 actually goes back to the fact that vitamin D is critical when it comes to a proper immune system functioning. Let's think about this for a minute. We know that 60% of adults in the U.S. are either very low on vitamin D or actually deficient. We know people in the higher latitudes, the, the, the Canadians, the Norwegians, the Icelanders, They even have a higher incidence of a vitamin D deficiency because we get vitamin D from the sunlight. So the weaker the sunlight or the less we're out, the lower our vitamin D levels. Of course, we get them nutritionally also. Vitamin D is critically important in a number of body processes, including bones, sleep, concentration, moods, immune system. If your vitamin D is deficient, your immune system is not gonna work very effective. Remember we talked about those white blood cells who are out little Pac-Men, they're going out, eating up all the bad stuff. Well, without out vitamin D, they're going around going, meh, meh, meh. So they're not nearly as effective, not nearly as efficient. So what we're seeing is it's not taking vitamin D that's actually protecting you against COVID-19, It's those individuals who are taking vitamin D, chances are were deficient in vitamin D to start with. So indeed, if you're like the majority of the population and you're deficient, you're more likely to get it. So by taking vitamin D, you're not actually doing anything other than getting your system functioning better as it should be, and that's what is protective. So I think there was